0: And we're back on Fictional Frontiers. I'm your host, Sohei Bowan. Each week here on Fictional Frontiers, we cover the best in genre entertainment. Looking at the business industry as a whole, looking at many of the projects, doing reviews. And it's interesting. There's so much going on. And I feel like I'm being overwhelmed by the content. So I'm really looking forward to James coming back. James Baradino, the founder of realviews.net. The best online film critic in America. It's funny, we're trying to coordinate, we're trying to get the schedules in order, and sometimes personal life, uh, not sometimes, but it should at times, supersede or impact your professional life in some way. James is still doing his stuff online, but as far as recording segments, he has to uh, take care of his daughter, he's got daddy duty, so he was originally supposed to be starting back with us this week, but it's going to be the end of this month, so it looks like James will be back at the beginning of October, so I just want to let people know, and I've been promising for weeks, but the reality of the situation is that he has, like I said, daddy duties, and so we're kind of moving ahead, forging on, (laughs) trying to uh, carry the ring to Mordor, so to speak, and James will hopefully be back at the end of the month, and he'll finish the job and take over, and I'll kind of sit back and enjoy his assessment of things, his reviews, and the like. I'm going to talk about a couple things this week. I did see the movie Nope, um, uh, Jordan Poole's movie, and I have to say I thought that it was an amazingly well-conceived film, and I would rank it as the most impressive film I've seen this year. Why? Because as someone who's been in the entertainment industry for quite some time, who's enjoyed genre entertainment, television film for so many decades and who's always looking for something new and fresh and different. And that's the interesting thing about reviews is that sometimes when you're doing a review, you have to take into consideration that not everyone who's watching a particular project, not everyone has seen those uh, same projects. Not everyone has seen uh, the amount of films or the number of films, I should say, or television shows that you've seen. If you're someone up in age, even if you're in your 30s, you have a huge advantage. I'm not talking about morally or (laughs) having been impacted by these projects in some way, form, or fashion. That is a conversation for another day, whether or not media has negatively impacted people. And I would submit that in many ways it has. But I'm talking about just the amount of content that one has imbibed over the decades. If you're 30 years old versus a 10-year-old, you're going to have seen many different Uh, standards in storytelling that you haven't seen before uh, if you're 10 years old. If you're 30 years old, you've probably been exposed to so much. The hero's journey may be fresh and new to somebody or certain aspects of the hero's journey may be fresh and new to someone 10 years old or 12 years old or 15 years old. But if you're 35, 40, it's kind of a been there, done that kind of thing, right? And it's going to be more about the quality of the storytelling itself, the other elements. And some would argue that we've already seen or we know that there are only a certain number of stories that can be told. So they're just different takes and iterations of the same story repeated again and again and again. And there's some truth to that as well. But Nope uh, is a film that really offers a uniquely fresh and horrifying and spooky and thought-provoking take on the UFO phenomenon that we've been um, covering or media has been covering and uh, conspiracy theorists have been covering for decades. And it did it in a way that really was not only uh, about the observations that go into this phenomena and how people are searching for the unknown in certain places, and there are certain assumptions about things. But it really is uh, to a huge degree about assumptions and how much we don't know and how much we have to recognize that there is a miraculous world out there and that we as human beings need to understand that there are risks inherent in places that we don't know and that there is a level of respect we have to have for those unknowns. And that's all I'm going to say, because if you haven't had a chance to see it, I definitely want you to um, uh, take a look and watch that film when you get the chance, because, you know, that's what's really, really uh, at the heart of exciting storytelling for me anyway, at this stage of my life. Finding new, unique spins on, uh, you know, the standards that we've had, the tentpole stories that we've seen in the past adding new unique spins and also addressing certain thematic issues that maybe were not addressed uh, in other ways in the past but then also doing it in a way that's visually exciting that has really strong performances and leaves you wanting to revisit that story again uh, in the very near future and that's what I felt with the movie Nope I felt it had all those elements at play here So if you have a chance to see it, um, definitely check it out. Definitely check it out because, um, you know, I think that uh, we've seen or we have seen now with uh, this incredible director an amazingly exciting storyteller who should be given a lot of opportunities to to tell his story. You know, it's funny... (laughs) I just start thinking about this maybe because i have the golden state warriors on my head i have to retract a statement or correct myself i think i said at the beginning of the segment jordan pool jordan pool is a member of the world champion golden state warriors <laughs> i meant jordan peel okay um and as a dubs viewer for many years um Enjoying the exploits of Steph Curry, Chef Curry, and seeing them win the title. I actually got an email this morning from a fantasy league I'm a part of. I've been part of that league for many a year. And I actually had a very good year last year. Uh, Came from last position, almost won the whole thing. It's a 10-team league, and I came in third. But from where I was before to where I ended up, it was impressive. But uh, I had the, the Warriors on my mind, on my brain. And, unfortunately for uh, Jordan Peele, I uh, didn't give him his due. (laughs) I did not give him his due. (laughs) And the Key and Peele shorts, I know a lot of people are hoping that we'll see those again at some point. Some of them are raw, some of them are very controversial. But, again, one thing that cannot be denied is that there are creative juices flowing in those shorts. And I definitely believe that we're seeing this manifested on the silver screen with whom I would argue is one of the most exciting talents in film in the last uh, decade. Obviously, Christopher Nolan, I think, is the most exciting filmmaker out there. James Cameron has been doing incredible work for decades, but when it comes to genre fare as a whole, I have to put Jordan Peele in there. Not Jordan Poole, Jordan Peele. (laughs) So what are we going to talk about this week? I think we should talk a little bit about D23, Uh, There were some announcements made yesterday at D23 and I wanted to talk to James about that, but for those of you who aren't familiar with D23, D23 is the Disney equivalent of San Diego Comic-Con or New York Comic-Con or one of these other um, pop culture celebrations. And for the longest time, a lot of people thought that D23 was going to be a major event a bigger event than even Comic-Con because Disney wants to continue to get people excited for their projects and they're going to save the best of their announcements and news items for their own event. And I was kind of surprised because I would echo the sentiments of uh, John Campia in the sense that there was a lot announced there that we already knew quite a bit about. And the biggest news item from Comic-Con was the slate of films that were upcoming, including the new Avengers film? So those were really, really big projects announced. And someone mentioned online this morning, I took a look, that the reason those projects were announced at Comic-Con was because the trademarks and the URLs for the titles of those Avengers films were already purchased. It's amazing, now uh, people are such master sleuths that they actually go online to find out what URLs have been purchased. It doesn't tell you who owns the URL or who owns the trademark of certain titles or certain words uh, that are put together, but people speculate that if there are certain titles purchased, that means that there is a, a distinct possibility that a studio is planning to develop a project with that title. And that was the case with the two Avengers films. So people felt that that was released at Comic-Con because they had to do something uh, quickly before the general public found out about it. Because if that became uh, you know, more disse- more greatly disseminated and people actually found out about those projects over the next couple of months, just the names that were possibly going to be bandied about or possible titles, if... If that became public knowledge to a higher or greater degree, then the surprise factor was going to be gone. So they had to kind of assess the damages already done by people who were able to discover that, and, you know, and recognize the fact that, you know, only the really, really, really hardcore uh, rumor mills were talking about those possible titles for the Avengers films, and they decided to uh, cut them off at the pass and re- just, you know, go ahead and uh, take back their. Uh, narrative, so to speak, and uh, own those titles and reveal those titles at Comic-Con. So that's what some people speculate happened at Comic-Con and why it happened at Comic-Con. So, you know, Disney D23 Expo, I'm looking at the big news items. Obviously, we've got the new Andor series that's going to be premiering very soon. It's 24 episodes, and I think it looks fantastic. It's going to be a gritty uh, prequel to Star Wars Rogue One. And the cast looks exceptional. And, you know, Diego Luna is such a, such a powerhouse actor, an underrated actor, in my opinion. But the big exciting factor for me is that Tony Gilroy is actually going to be the main, uh, pardon the pun, force behind this because he's a master of action, adventure, suspense. He's, uh, you know, been behind the Bourne films. Um He was um, intricately. uh, He was, you know, involved at a very intimate level on quite a few other projects that deal with gritty espionage fare. And Michael Clayton was a film that he brought to the silver screen with George Clooney that I thought was such an underrated, powerful film. Very. Very well conceived and very well acted. So, if you have a chance to see that film, Michael Clayton, I definitely recommend it. And it's not really uh, era specific, so you can enjoy it even in 2022. So, that's what really excited me, his being involved with this project. The Willow series, you know, I thought it was actually one of the weaker fantasy projects from the 80s. I know there are people who like certain elements. I was never a fan of Willow. I actually thought it was mediocre fare. But the new Willow series is going to be premiering on November 30th, and there's a trailer for that. The Star Wars uh, animated Juggernaut continues, and it seems like they're definitely going with the house style. So you have Star Wars The Bad Batch, which uh, premieres next year, January 4th, 2023. And then you have Star Wars Tales of the Jedi, uh, a series of shorts which focus on some of the Jedi from the past, some of their prequel adventures. So we've got Ahsoka again. We've got Count Dooku. That's October 26th, and those are going to be short. So, uh, you know, some exciting projects, but then a couple other, you know, projects were given a little bit more focus. The Ahsoka series, still no date for that, slated for 2023. And all they showed, I think, was one image from the show, so that was kind of disappointing and a letdown. And then the series called Star Wars Skeleton Crew, by John Watts and Christopher Ford, uh, which is going to be the telling was going to be telling the story of four kids who find themselves lost in the vastness of the galaxy, trying to find their way home. And Jude Law was there. So I don't know much more about that series. And then they re- revealed or released the season th- season three, excuse me, trailer for Star Wars, uh, The Mandalorian. And again. It was you know, exciting to see it in HD, but for those people who attended Star Wars Celebration, they already saw it. So, not really much there as far as major announcements are concerned. It was exciting to see Harrison Ford there at D23. I said Comic-Con. There at Comic-Con. The film is coming out, the last Indiana Jones installment, June 20th, 2023. Uh, James Mangold is directing. He's a fantastic director. And it was kind of surprising and kind of sad in a way to see, uh, I do not say sad, but it, it made you realize, uh, you know, how old we've all gotten seeing Harrison Ford out there and how, you know, this world is a temporal world. It's a world that is not eternal. And we move on to the next world, to the next life. And, uh, you know, everyone gets old, and so many of the projects and so many of the people that we enjoyed watching—they're—they're uh, uh, they're heading to their latest, the later stages of their lives, and that's the case with Indiana Jones as well. So, seeing him so emotional, and given the fact that Harrison Ford is always—you um, know—viewed as being sort of this cynical, curmudgeon, you know, he's kind of just going along with the media stuff and some of these efforts just because he's kind of forced to, he was very emotional. So to see him really uh, taking a step back and assessing what he's done in the past and recognizing the love for that franchise, that was nice to see. That is nice to see. And, you know, it's like Janet Jackson said, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. I think he's starting to realize that. And I'm hoping the film is going to wrap up the Indiana Jones series With a nice bow. I'm not a fan of some of the installments. Um, The Last Crusade is not one I really like much at all. Um, Yeah, I I don't like The Last Crusade. (laughs) Uh, Temple of Doom has its problems. Uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Raiders of the Lost Ark obviously is a film that is still the standard when it comes to that type of fare. It's kind of funny. I, I compare the... Indiana Jones films to the Marvel films in one sense in that a lot of the films in this series are, are not really loved from beginning to end. It's more different sequences. For me, Raiders of the Lost Ark is far and away the most uh, refined and the most enjoyable of, of the films. But when you go back and, and again, I'm, I'm not talking as a huge, huge, like, Indiana Jones devotee, so to speak, you know, these, there are people out there who just love Indiana Jones beyond belief. I I enjoy the, you know, uh, some of the films. I enjoy Raiders of the Lost Ark and I definitely feel that Harrison Ford's portrayal of Indiana Jones is fantastic. Don't get me started on the, uh, very, very, you know, racist stereotypes of Arabs that we see in Raiders of the Lost Ark with the swordsman. Um, Fighting Indiana Jones that people love uh, so much, but if we're from another ethnic group, we would be wanting to cancel that film, and we'd be we'd be talking about how problematic it is. That is a problematic sequence, by the way. It is. I have never uh, heard of the stereotypical Arab swordsman running around the marketplaces of Cairo in the nineteen you know forties, nineteen thirties, nineteen forties, nineteen fifties, even. So. Or 1920s, for that matter. So, yeah, we won't talk about that. But, again, it's nice to see someone like a Harrison Ford sit back and, you know, really appreciate what he's gone through, his journey. Then you have Marvel coming out there, Kevin Feige. And I would definitely not have wanted to have been there for this. They had the I Could Do This All Day, show within a show, Rogers the Musical, live Um, there at the event. They actually had performers performing that song, which I absolutely hated when I saw it in Hawkeye. But that was the intro to the whole thing. Uh, They talked about Ironheart, which is due for release on October 7th. So uh, Ironheart is a character who is basically a younger version. I don't want to say younger version, but the one thing that Marvel decided to embrace as a whole, as a studio, was the idea that they were never going to recast their lead characters. They were just going to replace them with um, proteges with uh, a new wave of rookies, so to speak. So Ironheart is basically, I guess, this generation's version or, or version or will be this generation's version of Tony Stark and Iron Man. Obviously, Riri w- Williams is not um, Tony Stark, personality-wise, or um, you know any of the elements of that character are really not Tony Stark-like, but she is an Iron Man character. She's basically <clears throat> the Marvel armored character for the generation to come. So that series is coming on October seventh. We'll see how it is. Um, Parker Robbins is playing the Hood, and the Hood was an interesting character in the comics, and that I felt that he had the worst costume I've ever seen in the history of comics. It was basically a guy with slacks, uh, button-down shirt, and a little red riding hood hood on and that hood gave him powers as far as being able to uh, use his guns in a very very dangerous fashion so he had two pistols and it made him dangerous because he had this hood I don't know how the character became so popular actually I don't even know if he is popular but <laughs> I felt it was the most mundane uh, boring design in the history of Marvel comics and yet we're seeing the character and look people like the character so he's going to be the main villain or one of the main villains in Ironheart. Then you've got Werewolf by Night, which is an October 7th uh, streaming special uh, starring Gail uh, Garcia Bernal, and it's supposed to be quote-unquote fun scare, so there's a trailer for that online. Secret Invasion is due for release on Disney Plus in 2023 with Don Cheadle, Samuel Jackson, uh, Kobe Smulders, and Uh, Ben Mendelsohn back as uh, the Skrull Talos, and there's a trailer for that as well. So again, we got some some trailers there. Um, Armor Wars, which is another Disney Plus project with Don Cheadle about the armor, Tony Stark's armor being, I guess, stolen and resold on the black market. I think that's what the comic series was about. You've got another series with Loki, and then there's a series called Echo, who was a character introduced in Hawkeye, who's supposedly a, a pretty important role in the upcoming MCU. And then they have Daredevil born again, and they talked a little bit about the 18-episode series. But no real trailer, so no big announcement. These were all projects that were announced at San Diego Comic-Con, so we got a couple trailers. Uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Uh, they had you know quite a few cast members out there. No announcements about Doom, so maybe they're keeping that close to the vest, and they showed some footage from that. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and there was some footage from that. That's February 17th, 2023. They did confirm that Matt Schackman is going to be directing Fantastic Four, which is due for release on November 8th, 2024. And then they had the cast of, well, actually, I'm going through some other items. There's Captain America New World Order. And that's due for release on May twenty twenty four, May third, twenty twenty four, and the l- leader is going to be in there. So, uh, Tim Blake Nelson is going to be playing the role of the leader, which is going to be uh, a return of another character from the Incredible Hulk film. Which is interesting because the film is not really celebrated as part of Marvel canon, the Ed Norton film. But we've seen, t- uh, you know, the return of. Quite a few characters. General Ross, we've seen the Abomination. Now we're seeing the leader all come back from that. So everyone except uh, Ed Norton. (laughs) And then we've got, uh, which is interesting, Shira Haas playing Sabra, which is uh, an interesting development. She is an Israeli superhero, so I don't know how that's going to come into play with Captain America New World Order. Very interesting to, to see how they're going to play uh, have that character portrayed, and how they're going to address certain uh, certain political questions and conflicts in this film because if you have a character like that, obviously she's going to play a role and new world old New world order is going to address I think a lot of uh contemporary issues or problems that have been around for decades and It's going to be interesting to see how it's addressed, how a lot of these conflicts that we see in the the modern world today are going to be addressed in this film. And you have to ask yourself the question, is the moral of Cinematic Universe the place to address a lot of these questions? And I submit that the danger, again, and we talked about this last week with Megan Thee Stallion, when you bring in contemporary or actually real-world issues into a fantasy milieu, it becomes very problematic because... You know, they say that at the dinner table you don't talk about religion and politics. Well, I would submit that when you're making a film about fantasy or it's a science fiction or genre-based universe, universe, (laughs) universe, excuse me, uh, when you have a a fantasy milieu, when you have a a fantasy universe, a world, whatever, uh, the MCU is the case study here, you don't bring in real-world elements. You may allude to certain things. You may plant the seeds of ideas. You may thematically address certain things in some way, form, or fashion. But you don't actually bring the real world into this environment because you're in. barely going to address something in a way that's going to offend someone, number one. And then number two, if you really want to tackle issues in the real world you need to do it in a much more subtle fashion with some nuance because what happens is that tribalism comes into play and it's just like team sports so you can talk about general ideas uh, in professional sports but if you bring up a particular team or player on a particular team and people are say you know people are say critically uh, against a particular player team, and you're a fan of that team or you're from that city, for example, you're going to protect your team. You know, This is your home. This is your family. So people automatically put up certain barriers and they don't honestly address certain things because it's too close to home. It's too close to who they are personally. So yeah, that's pretty much uh, you know everything that happened at Comic-Con. The one point I want to make as we head out, they, they did talk about the Thunderbolts. And they did talk about the Marvels film. The Marvels is uh, Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel, uh, Monica Rambo. So, you know, we'll see how that film is. It seems like they're going in a very different direction. I think they're going to make Captain Marvel a little bit lighter in feel and tone. And that's due for release in July of uh, 2023. The last thing I want to talk about going back to the Thunderbolts. Very disappointed by the cast, what I've seen so far. And... It's just a repackaging of characters we've already seen. And you don't have Zemo. You don't have Songbird. You don't have characters who were much beloved in the comics. And Zemo is a character that people loved in the films and in the television series. uh, The uh, Winter Soldier series with uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. And you don't bring uh, Zemo into the mix really odd, and I'm sorry, Taskmaster, the, ca- the character of Taskmaster is, sorry, Taskmaster, uh, tongue-tied here, Taskmaster, um, I love the character in the comics, he's very popular in the video games, why do we not have that character in the Thunderbolts, why? I, I don't understand it, that character was much reviled in the film And it's not against the actress who played the character in the film. It's not even about the gender switch. It's the fact that the Taskmaster character is much beloved in the comics. And people wanted to see that character. And he's very popular in the video game. So why not bring that character back? So that's my overview about (laughs) Comic-Con. D23. uh, Freudian slip there. Disney's version of Comic-Con. Not much there, but... Again, the Disney machine moves on, and we'll keep covering it here on Fictional Frontiers. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the U.S. Open final. And uh, we're going to have a new number one in world tennis. Talk to you next week.